Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. You alone are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is a joy to be with you this morning here inside of the Day Chapel. Um, It's actually been about 18 months since we have gathered here uh, in a more normal manner, or really gathered anywhere inside in a regular way as a church. Uh, Thanks be to God how he has sustained and grown and pruned and strengthened us during this bizarre season. Uh, Pivot after pivot after pivot, I think that's the the word of the year for 2020, Uh, we have sought to fulfill our vision How do we uh, live out our calling to be a vibrant, disciple-making, liturgical church that is all about the gospel in the midst of this wild season? Uh, We have strived to make decisions uh, prayerfully and clearly while acknowledging and respecting differences of opinions and convictions. Um, This hasn't been perfect, but I'm proud of us in the best sense of the word. Um, Just prior to this pandemic season that really caught everyone by surprise, Um, St. Thomas Anglican Church was a a maturing young church, a church plant. We were adding Sunday services and seeking to grow in significant ways. And in some ways, it it feels like we are are back there. Uh, But in other ways, uh, we're in a very different place. A lot has happened over this span of time. Um, We have added and we've lost folks during the last 18 months. Some of that is due to just the natural transitions of living in Athens, Um, I think we had about 20 members move this summer, uh, just to different places as the Lord has moved them on. Uh, So, so many people within St. Thomas have stepped up and led. Uh, They've served one another. They've reached out to each other, called on the phone, um, hosted gatherings, prayed for each other, given generously. And I was looking at some of our just engagement areas over the last 18 months, um, and I, I was a little blown away by the Lord's faithfulness. Um, We've actually added 27 new members during the pandemic season at St. Thomas. Uh, And many more have found this and and made a home here that I imagine would join or or in that process this fall. Um, During this pandemic season, 23 different households representing 47 people made their first financial investment in this congregation. Um, That's a remarkable uh, thing to consider. Um, We've had 13 brand new partners outside of Athens who have stepped up during this season and said, we want St. Thomas to be strong. We want this mission to continue. And God has been so faithful to us. He's been faithful um, in you and through you. And so as we resume services here, um, we've been having services, but as we resume services here inside the day chapel, um, I want to say thank you. I thank you for uh, your support, your trust, uh, your patience, your flexibility. Uh, I'm actually convinced now more than ever that this church is God's idea. It's his project um, that we're privileged to be part of. And that St. Thomas has a specific calling that we're uniquely positioned uh, to do work that God has given us to do together here in Athens and the greater Athens area. Um, And I will say that while today is a big step Um, We don't know what the future holds. (laughs) We don't know what the fall holds. Um, Things could change or shift again. I can imagine scenarios where we are once again outside um, 
enjoying God's natural beauty as we gather for worship. That would be okay. Um, regardless, I'm excited about what God's doing here. I'm excited about this fall. Um, and I also want to be clear um, this morning, we're so glad that you're here. Um, and, and I know that at St. Thomas, um, we have some folks, and you've walked through every winding step of the pandemic with us. Um, we have other folks who, man, we haven't checked in in like 18 months. And we have some of you who, it's your first service here today, and you're like, this is great. I just moved to town. How are y'all doing? Um, wherever you are in that, you are most welcome. We're so glad that you are here and we would love for you to be part of what God's doing uh, moving forward here at St. Thomas. Also, um, before I kind of dig into Ephesians 2, um, it's been a weird season. And so I would just say if you uh, need prayer or if you need a pastoral appointment to process just some of what's going on in your life, uh, please reach out proactively and let us know. We'd love to do that, to pray with you or to talk with you. You can reach out to me, uh, any of our staff members, um, our vestry members, or, or to one another. Um, we've got a great congregation here that supports one another. All right, let's turn to Ephesians 2. Uh, because actually, this our New Testament lesson is, is an incredible section. This is one of my favorite chapters uh, in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 2. Um, right before our section, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, uh, those verses are all about the beautiful salvation we receive uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Ephesians 2, verse 10, is this incredible hinge. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should all walk in them. In other words, the salvation each one of us uh, can find in the Lord has these incredible implications for our lives together. And the work that God has given us to do uh, has implications for what it means to be part of this new family uh, called the church. And our half of this chapter, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, that's what it's about, about our common life together in the church. Um, and as you read through it, this section may feel like a trip to, to Lowe's or to Home Depot. I don't know which you prefer. I like Home Depot because Uncle Arthur and Atlanta United, but that's just me. Uh, but you can actually plot the logic of this passage uh, by looking at walls and buildings, or, or really at a specific wall and a specific building, which is pretty appropriate because we haven't worshipped with walls <laughs> inside a building in a while. Uh, so first, these uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 18, breaking down walls of division and hostility. Um, as we read here in Ephesians 2, Paul is addressing a specific long-standing division between two people groups, Jews and Gentiles. Um, the first two verses here, 11 and 12, quickly detail the division, the vast difference traditionally between them. But that's not the end of the story. Something amazing has now happened in and through and because of Jesus. Look at what Paul says, But now in Christ Jesus, you, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, our shalom, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. It's this amazing passage where we see that reconciliation with God and salvation leads to peace and unity with one another. Clearly, here for Paul, there's a specific conflict and a specific context that he is addressing 
Um, there may have even been like a specific wall that he has in mind when he talks about a dividing wall uh, of hostility. Um, that wall would have been in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, and, and just in, in case you've seen like a, a, maybe a, a painting or a diorama of the temple at this time, um, you had this huge structure, holy of holies, there's a curtain, then there's the holy place. That's kind of the building proper, right? Um, around that are these concentric areas of access and worship. So right outside the main building is the court of the priests. That's where they would have burnt offerings. Um, beyond that, another concentric area was the court of the sons of Israel. Uh, and then beyond that was a court uh, for the women of Israel. Um, even now, if you visit Israel today and you go to the Wailing Wall, the remaining portion of the temple, you'll see a division and men are on one side and women are on the other. Uh, when I was there about 10 years ago, they were doing bar mitzvahs on the men's side, and there were these women on ladders um, looking over to see the bar mitzvah of their sons and their you know, cousins and grandsons, that kind of thing. Um, and so that's kind of the main temple area proper. And then beyond that, <laughs> I think of this as the cheap seats, <laughs> general admission. These are the lawn seats at Lakewood Auditorium, if you've been to a show in Atlanta. That was the court of the Gentiles. And there was this wall specifically there um, to let the Gentiles know that they shouldn't come any further. Um, you're welcome to come in. You're welcome to look from afar, but this far and no further. Uh, there was this literal dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentiles um, in the temple. And so think about that. that. That's a very literal wall. It's also an iconic wall. It represents all the division between Jews and Gentiles. Everything you see in the law, uh, circumcision, food laws, all the ways that Jews and Gentiles were separate. Um, and Paul says that God has now taken these two peoples historically at odds, physically and spiritually separate, who despised one another, and even had some legitimate historic reasons for doing so. That God has done an act of new creation and made them now one in his son Jesus. That, that's the, the stunning sweep of this. Uh, that, that this act of new creation leads to a new family. And the people of God known as the church. Um, I think it's, it's worth noting, um, we don't see Paul here recommending separate churches. Uh, for these separate people groups, that would have been easy, right? Here's the Gentile church over here. Um, here's the Jewish church over here. You do it the way you like. You do it the way you like. And we'll all just worship God separately. Um, that's not what Paul recommends at all. Um, according to Paul, God has torn down the wall of hostility. And he's made this one new person. And they're uh, almost shoehorned together now. Um, to deal with one another, to live with one another, to learn from and worship with one another uh, for their own good and for the good of the world. Paul says that in the cross, God has taken a sledgehammer to this wall of hostility. And he says, now you have received peace, peace with God, peace with one another. You're to love one another. Um, and, and that peace, by the way, of course, isn't something that they manufacture. They don't force this to happen. Um, they receive it as something that was secured and worked on the cross by Jesus. And they're to live into that. Um, one pastor and commentator, Mark Roberts, he, he has pointed out that if Christ's death 
pushed aside the barrier that separated Jews and Gentiles, then by analogy, we can conclude that God seeks to remove barriers and enmity wherever people are wrongly divided and separated. That the peacemaking and unifying work of God illustrated in the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles touches all of our lives. Friends, I don't have to tell you that there are so many dividing walls of hostility in our world and various cultures today. Um, Over the last 18 months, I actually think probably new walls have been built. (laughs) They've grown and expanded. We we see increasing hostility, uh, polarizing divisions, people who are talking past or not talking to one another at all in regard to things like gender and race and ethnicity and culture and class and partisan politics. I mean, even think about the, the hostile divisions just surrounding this pandemic season and the proper response to it that's above most of our pay grades. I mean, here in Ephesians 2, especially as we regather in a new way, I see a renewed call for reconciliation and unity. Not uniformity, but unity for all of God's people and for us, especially here at St. Thomas Anglican Church. All right, so let's keep reading in this passage. I will say, I don't think I've ever preached on verses 19 through 22 because there's so much work to do before that, you just run out of time. So I I do want to spend a little time on verses 19 through 22, uh, the temple of the living God. Because in a stunning twist, we see that these Gentiles who were formerly kept out of the temple, relegated to the cheap seats, the court of the Gentiles, are now not only invited in and given access by Jesus, but they're actually made um, a constituent, vital, essential part of the temple of God, the new temple of God that is now being built. Paul goes from new creation uh, to the church as a new family, and then that family as a new building, a new temple where God wants to dwell and reside in glory. Look at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saint and members of the household of God. Then you see the switch to this temple idea. Verse 20 through 22, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. He's telling these Ephesian church, this group of Gentiles, uh, formerly just pagans, right? Uh, He's saying, you couldn't get into the temple before, but now you're part of what God is doing and building. You're a vital and needed and necessary part. You're actually joined to the apostles and prophets. You're joined to Christ Jesus, the cornerstone, and God's Holy Spirit is at work in and through and among you. Formerly, the power and presence of God was so far away, but now you're a dwelling place for it. God's Holy Spirit dwells in each of us, as we learn in 1 Corinthians, another letter from Paul. But there is just this powerful and significant way in which the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst. And it is present when we gather for worship together. Uh, Thankfully, I think we have learned uh, quite a bit about being the new temple of the living God during this weird pandemic season. But we've realized how vital it is to gather as God's people in whatever way we can. Uh, safely. 
Uh, we've learned what it means to, to gather and, and where we gather and how we gather and what's essential and what's optional. Uh, we've learned that physical buildings are not essential to gather and worship. Um, we know that from church history, right? God has not needed air conditioning for 2,000 years uh, for the Holy Spirit to be at work building the new temple of the living God. Uh, but it's nice. <laughs> we don't mind air conditioning, but it's not essential. Um, our church, man, we have gathered uh, as well as you can online. We've, we've both streamed things and gathered in Zoom meetings. Uh, we've gathered at farms. Uh, we've been in homes. We have been in backyards. We have been at a muddy, nasty park pavilion. <laughs> and most recently, I had a pretty nice outdoor pavilion that had its own challenges. Um, we have seen this cliche prove true that the church is the people, not the building. And I think St. Paul would agree with that. Uh, we have met and grown as a holy temple in the Lord, being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And, and I think as much as I love this place and I love this chapel, but I think in many ways the Lord has weaned us off of our dependence on buildings generally and, and probably weaned St. Thomas off of maybe over-depending and relying on this place, which is beautiful, but we don't own it. And every time there's a change in the public health situation, we learn even more how much we don't own it <laughs> as we get directives as renters here. <laughs> and I think we have uh, even more seen the value of gathering together with one another, to be with one another. Um, and that's not to dismiss. I just want to... It's not to dismiss buildings and sacred space. Um, there is real value in sacred space and beautiful buildings that help us gather, that, that give us glimpses of God's beauty and glory. And I think what I've been reflecting on this week is, is that when beautiful buildings like this um, are viewed as ultimate things, they can be idols and they can be a hindrance. But when they are viewed as tools, they're really helpful. It's a really helpful tool to help us gather, and that makes them an undeniable blessing. And so part of, part of my hope is that we'll appreciate this beautiful space even more um, without over-depending or over-relying on it for our life together. Uh, there will be a day when we don't gather here. Lord willing, there will be a time when we gather at a place that we, um, we can you know, put, a, put our address on and know that this is where St. Thomas Anglican Church meets. And so I hope that this season of kind of moving around will give us a little bit of a vision for future uh, building and home of our own um, as God's people. All right, that's what I have time to say this morning about the temple. Um, I do want to say one last thing about uh, dividing walls of hostility. Um, there are times that walls and fences and partitions are destroyed or, or torn down, but that doesn't always mean that the work is over. I want to leave you with this illustration um, some of you may have heard this before, but for years, uh, there was a huge fence that separated these two population of red deer. And they lived in these forests uh, right at the border of Germany and, and what is now the Czech Republic. So you had these two groups of deer in the forest, huge fence that was dividing them. Um, right around the time the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, um, they took down the fence and so now the, the deer could, could go back and forth. Um, they could mingle freely. They could explore uh, the other forest. Uh, but about 13 years later, 
some wildlife biologists were studying these deer, and they realized that the German deer had not ventured into the Czech Republic territory, and the German deer and the Czech Republic deer had not interacted or intermingled in any kind of way, or vice versa. Um, in other words, both of these groups were behaving as if the fence was still up. And the team of biologists uh, studying this, they came up with several explanations. Um, for example, most deer travel on traditional trails that are passed down from generation to generation by modeling and repetition. Isn't that true? There's ways in which groups who are apart can get locked into ancient patterns that aren't helpful. Um, and it's possible that that's why they weren't, you know, going back and forth. But there was a, a wildlife filmmaker. He was doing a film on these deer because apparently there's money for that. Who knew? Um, he got a grant, I guess. I don't know. Um, and he was looking at these deer and he said, here's what's happening. Is that fence is down, but the, but the wall in the head is still there. Um, the wall in the head is still there. Uh, by the cross... Paul tells us Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility and made peace. Uh, but maybe for some of us, when we look at historic divisions, the wall in the head is still there. Over the last 18 months, again, some new walls may even have been built or arisen. Maybe you, you've looked at your neighbor or fellow church member with suspicion or hostility. And my conviction today is that we can't let these things remain. That's what's on my heart. Um, it's a wonder what walls that Christ has broken down um, do we keep up? Uh, what walls do we allow to remain in the head that Christ has broken down uh, by the cross? Uh, what distinctions are we making uh, between one another? The call from this passage is for each one of us to have this courage to take a sledgehammer uh, to, to walls of division and difference and hostility. Christ has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. Uh, would you ask him to help you search your heart and to break down any wall of hostility that you find that still exists? Uh, would you ask him to help us as a church take steps of reconciliation and unity by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? Um, we can't do this work on our own. We need the Lord to supernaturally help us and to heal us. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.